Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Jane Pelcher, a registered dietitian and recipe developer with a passion for food photography. I started following Jane on Twitter. Yes, Twitter seems ancient, but she was posting some great videos on various nutrition topics, and I always think highly of those who get themselves in front of the camera. It's the biggest thing I struggle with. She has evolved since then into enjoying her creative side with cooking and food photography. Jane shares her journey along the way on her social media and enjoys helping others who share the same interest. Please enjoy my conversation with Jane. I always saw your great videos on Twitter, so I'm excited to get to know you and just how you evolved as a dietitian to what you're doing now. So cool. I never knew you found me on Twitter that way. I, I know people don't say that. They're like, hey, I found you on Twitter because it's like archaic, isn't it? Kind of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hardly yeah. ever use it anymore. I know most people don't. So. Well, that's where I found you. So whatever you did at that time worked for me to find you. Very so. cool. I'll keep posting there then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so why, why don't you take me back to um, kind of when you had an interest or you became interested in the field of nutrition and dietetics? Sure. Okay. So um, being a dietitian is actually my second career. Um, my first career was in human resources so I, I'm initially from Dallas, Texas, and I graduated from the University of North Texas. I got my business degree from there, and then I worked in HR for a few years. But what really got me interested in nutrition was that last role I had in HR. I was a benefits coordinator for an oil company in Dallas, and um, I got to coordinate their corporate wellness program. It was so much fun. And um, through that, I also got to bring dietitians at nearby hospitals on site to do like one-on-one counseling with our employees. And they also did lunch and learns. And that's when I learned so much about nutrition. They would do like the um, the sugar presentation, you know, where oh, yeah. it shows you, you know, how many teaspoons of sugar is in a Gatorade and stuff like that. And that was mind blowing for me because <laughs> I didn't know. Um, how much sugar was actually in drinks. Um, And they they also taught how to eat a balanced meal and stuff like that. And so I really appreciated that. And um, also being over the corporate wellness program, I would send out health information to our employees, like in our monthly newsletters and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I would grab a lot of data from like the American Heart Association. Um, And that's when I learned about, you know, the relationship of sodium with blood pressure. And it was just so fascinating. And um, there was something inside me. It was like, I, how do I learn more about this? And um, I started cooking on my own. I was like a young professional living on my own, finally learning how to really cook and be on my own. Um, so as I started learning to cook, I was also kind of integrating all the nutrition stuff that I learned from the dietitians and from the information I was handing out for employees in the corporate wellness program. And um, I think that's where it really took off as far as me being super fascinated with nutrition and then also finding that there's a lot of um, conflicting nutrition information. And I wanted to really be the person that could learn what was the nutrition truth and what was the nutrition myth, you know? Yes, because there's tons of it, especially like when you were... An HR person, you probably, I mean, probably sitting on the internet, you were like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> this, this person does this, like, what do I even, I mean, it probably took a lot of research for you. It did. It did. And, you know, being someone that's outside the health field and not knowing anything about science and nutrition, um, I had no idea what I was reading right. <laughs> and what was really truth or who to believe and who not to believe. You know, like, is Dr. Oz really the greatest of them all? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And where are they? You know, um, and where are the where are the dietitians when I need them? Sure. Back then, so you know, you and I think it's becoming bigger now. Yeah, I well, and I probably in corporate wellness. I mean, did you know to seek out a dietitian, or did they direct you to seek out a dietitian for like your lunch and learns and your presentations? 
Oh, so I was in a good spot where they had a lot of stuff set up with the previous um, benefits coordinator, and she had already had connections um, with dietitians nearby. And so I was able to grab those dietitians when I took the role and have them come on site. So it was guided. It's nice to like know that dietitians are continuing their influence over there. That's really cool. So you, mm-hmm. well, and I think it's interesting how, um, you were in HR and then you did have a degree and you had this developed this interest in cooking and then nutrition. So what, what made you think, oh, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to do this? What was so interesting was there was a girl sitting next to me and, and sitting in the next, next cubicle. And she was actually about to leave her HR role so she can study to become a dietitian. And so when she told me about that, yeah, yeah. So when she told me about that, I started looking to the field. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to learn. That's, that's crazy that you both were kind of like on that same path. (laughs) Like, I kind of like nutrition. I think I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, (laughs) so that happened. And it was really cool because I told the dietitian um, about me wanting to leave the role now and become a dietitian and she was so sweet and so caring like she next time she saw me she brought over flowers and a little card welcoming me into the field and Aww. it just felt so like loving and warm <laughs> you it know cozy. yeah 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 and i mean ever since becoming a dietitian it has been a very like warming environment like i feel like everyone's very supportive of each other and it's been great i really i really like the community of rds so when you decided um, at that moment, you were living in Dallas. So how did you navigate like picking a school, starting school again? What, what kind of steps did you take? So at that time, when I was curious about becoming a dietitian, um, my my now husband, we, we got engaged at that time. And during the year that we were engaged, we actually were long distance because he got a job in Silicon Valley to work for big tech companies. Um, and so then I knew that once we get married, I would be moving to Silicon Valley over in the San Francisco Bay area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is actually a prime opportunity for me to do my career change. Cause I can leave my job in Dallas and just go straight into, um, going back to school and, um, uh, going into a new career. So then I started researching schools around the area in San Francisco Bay area. Um, and so I narrowed down to like, uh, San Francisco State University and San Jose State University and ended up getting accepted at San Francisco State as a second bachelor student. So I was very fortunate that that happened. That worked out. I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, now that you've been a dietitian for a while, I feel like we always do everything at one time. We like get married. We start a career <laughs> and then we like buy a house. I mean, it's like you just do it all in like one swing. So you were like par for the course doing it all in one swing. Yeah, yeah. I I highly don't recommend it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but the timing felt good, but it is really, really stressful. So you got to really, you know, do a lot of self-care when you have a lot of changes coming at you like that. Yeah, especially moving. I mean, moving too. That's a lot to to take on. Oh, yeah. Moving to California, it was, you would think moving somewhere else in the United States wouldn't be that big of a culture shock, but there was a really big culture shock between Texas and California. And it took me probably about three years to really settle in and accept it. A long time. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I've been here for five years now, so it took a long, long time. Yeah. Was it just like, and you lived in a big city. I mean, you lived in Dallas, so I mean, Mm -hmm. you moved to another big city, but just the difference in just culture and the, the probably the pace is probably much different too. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot more um, easygoing in Dallas. And I thought I knew what traffic and crowds were like in <laughs> Dallas. I was so wrong. No San Francisco is another monster. Yeah, San Francisco and and actually the entire San Francisco Bay Area is just traffic all the time. Um, I can hardly ever get a movie ticket the day of or the next day because it's oh. always booked. Yeah, it's really, really crowded. Um, but I really did love the cultural shift because I'm Vietnamese. And when I worked in Dallas, I would have coworkers that would really make fun of Vietnamese food, like right to my face. Seriously. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like we'll go out for a bowl of pho. And I remember one lady, she said, oh, whatever 
uh, meat they have in here is whatever they scraped off the floor from last oh. night. And I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Like, yeah, oh. yeah. It was so crazy. But then, um, so as soon as I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, about three months later, I started a DPD program at SF State. And it was so cool because they have a little um, pho restaurant right outside the school. Oh, nice. And people of all colors were lined up to get a bowl of pho on a foggy day in San Francisco. And that was the most beautiful thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it felt so accepted here. <laughs> I'm like, this is my place. This, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No need to hate the area. It's good for me. <laughs> Aw, well, that's good. Like, that's probably like a good sign that you needed to have, like starting your program and just starting all over again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It felt nice. So how long um, was your program? Like, did you have to start completely from scratch then? Did you have to go back and do all four years or did anything transfer from your previous degree? Um, some things did transfer. Um, I think it was management since I was in, I had an HR degree. So I didn't have to do any management classes at SF State. Um, and then I had, okay, surprisingly, I had taken a nutrition class in my first bachelor's degree and had no recollection of it. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I, That's when I went, is. yes, so I, so I had my, um, my first bachelor's degree, but I was trying to go through it so quickly. So I finished it in about three, three and a half years. Wow. And so I took a lot of summer classes cause I just wanted to get it over with. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to get a job and move out, you know? Sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So in that time, somewhere in when I was taking 15 credits during one summer, I had taken one, a quick okay, three whoa. week online. <laughs> yes. You took 15 credits in a summer? <laughs> yes, it's doable. It's doable. Oh, I want to get out of there so quick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were motivated. Anyways. <laughs> yes. So there was, um, I took apparently one online quick nutrition class for three weeks. And I think it was just a blur. I just did it so I can get my quick credits. And I heard it was an easy A. Yeah. At that school <laughs> that I was well, going to. And I did ace it. So it transferred over. I was like, yes, <laughs> this is so like, cool. Thank God I passed everything on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as sciences, I took like um, science classes for non-science majors. So nothing um, sure. transferred over science-wise. So during the year that I had left in Dallas before I moved to San Francisco, um, I had to take, I think psychology, chemistry, and biology. Oh my. And um, yeah, to get set up, but they, they had already accepted me into the program, but they said, you have to make sure you have those classes completed before you start the program. So you took those all together yeah. with pure joy. Yeah, I took all those all together. <laughs> yep. Yep. It took like Saturday classes. So my whole Saturday was gone because it'll be like a three hour course in the morning and then three hour lab. Oh yeah. Uh, right afterwards. Yeah. So I'll take up my whole Saturday, but it was, it was worth it. Um, yeah. And then when I went to San Francisco state, it took me two years to, um, get my second bachelor's in dietetics. Oh, that's so it was pretty fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. So when you did, what, when you were in your bachelor's, were you really like, yes, I made the right decision? Yes. So I knew, you know, looking back, I think I became a dietitian more for myself so I can get the knowledge that I wanted. Hmm. And then I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to have a career out of it yet. Um, and when I had applied for SF State, they sent me the list of curriculum. And it was really exciting just seeing the titles like advanced nutrition and medical nutrition therapy. And it all sounded very cool, but I had no, I didn't really understand what medical nutrition therapy actually was. <laughs> so <laughs> when I, <laughs> right? So I had no idea going into the bachelor's program that it was so clinical and science heavy. Um, so that was a shocker, but I persevered anyways <laughs> and made it through the program. <laughs> yeah, medical nutrition therapy is it's like its own animal too. Like we always think of food, like you're probably really excited about food, but then you're like, whoa, what is this science kind of mania? Yeah. And it's it so fascinating because um, I think my favorite areas was um, heart and cardiovascular. And I think that goes back to me working pretty closely with the American Heart Association when I was in corporate wellness. Mm -hmm. um, but to learn that we have influence in, 
you know, kidney disease and prevention and all kinds of other diseases. It was the coolest thing um, to know that we can have that kind of influence if you wanted to and work in clinical. So that was a big shocker for me, but um, I think it's a, it's a good area to have as a dietitian. Absolutely. So internship, mm-hmm. what did, did you go, was there an internship available at your school or did you have to go somewhere else? Um, it's really competitive over in the Bay Area. So although I finished my DPD at SF State, we would still have to apply for the internship program and go through the whole interviewing process. Um, and I was freaking out a little bit because I felt like I wasn't good enough to get into an any Bay Area program. And going into the program, they had said that we have to make mostly A's and a few B's in order to even be considered in any Bay Area program. So you would have to keep your GPA at like three, six, three, seven and higher, you know? No um, and I felt no like, pressure. yeah, yeah, exactly. No pressure. And I, although I had the grades, I still wasn't confident in myself. Um, and so I was applying to only distance programs. And one day my teacher pulled me aside and she said, Jane, you have like actually good grades. And I think you can apply to Bay Area programs if you wanted to. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, if you say so. <laughs> and if, and uh, she wrote me a letter of rec- recommendation and everything. And so then I applied to SF State and I applied to Golden Gate Dietetic Internship. And in the end, I was able to match with the Golden Gate Dietetic Internship. And they're a program that's focused on um, north of San Francisco area. So Marin County, just anything past the Golden Gate Bridge oh. um, was where their uh, rotations were set. So I was very fortunate to be able to get an internship in the Bay Area. Definitely. You have to drive. I mean, like, was did you have to drive all over the place then? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think my, yeah. But my um, dietetic internship um, director or co-director, she was really cool because she tried to find me um, locations closer to me. So she was actually able to get me into my two food service management rotations nearby. So that was really, really nice. Oh. Um, but otherwise... My commute was anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half um, oh. going to the programs. But yeah, yeah, I survived it. <laughs> how long? How long? I think you're just. As how long, long was the program? The program was really quick. It was nine months. And oh, in nine okay. months, we did seven rotations. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> Nice, it was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it had a uh, community focus. So we were able to work on our own project for two months that was community based. Um, so that was really, really cool. And uh, I was able to help one of our local chefs that we were working with um, to create a corporate wellness program that she already kind of had started. So I kind of helped her on the back end uh, with getting her corporate wellness set up. So then the idea was any money coming into her corporate wellness program would be used to uh, go back into the community where she teaches kids how to cook um, in the unified school districts that she taught at. Oh, fun. What a, that's like that's mm-hmm. like combining both of your careers, being a dietitian and yeah. your corporate wellness. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Um, and it was cool too, because I got to experience another area of California that I haven't had experience in yet. So um it was really cool because the kids over there are like really educated. So they knew a lot about nutrition and food already. Hmm. Um, and then they also were very like intuitive and understanding that uh, they want to know where their food's coming from. So they support local farms. And even when we gave them tomatoes, they would all together say, you know, thank you, Rebecca. Oh, thank you, farmer Rebecca <laughs> for giving us tomatoes today (laughs) oh my gosh it was such a different culture yeah and then in the mornings they would do yoga together and they like thank the sun and mother earth for providing them food (laughs) oh my gosh how unique yeah and like growing up in the area i grew up and that 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 is not a thing (laughs) they're like "Uh, we didn't do that <laughs> yeah, not at all. Not at all. So <laughs> that was a really cool experience. Yeah, that's really cool. So when you were in your internship, what kind of what was the thing that made you kind of think about, oh, I really like this or oh, this is something I'd like to do? Ooh. So I think I got matched into Golden Gate because I had a very community focused point of view um on nutrition and 
When I was at Golden Gate, I knew that I didn't want to do clinical. Um, but then going into becoming a dietitian, I never even knew about the clinical aspects. So that was just never an area that really got me going. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as something that I enjoyed the most, it would be my community um, nutrition project that I then did that's connected with the corporate wellness and business. Mm-hmm. And what else? I noticed that teaching kids was really hard. That wasn't something I wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, but it's it's fun. But like you said, it's very difficult if you don't have that like teacher like mentality. Yes. And I don't have that at all. And I think I'm just so used to working with adults back in the days. Mm -hmm. It's just working with kids was just another monster for me that I couldn't handle. (laughs) That's okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And although I didn't really enjoy the um, working with students, I did really enjoy the aspect of teaching them how to cook. And I think that kind of ignited a fire in me as far as, oh yeah, here I am again with cooking, learning about food. But now there's an extra thing tacked on. It was like, where does food come from? You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Going more farm to table, becoming, you know, a lot more Californian <laughs> in, my, <laughs> in my view on foods. <laughs> and that opened me up to the world of like Alice Waters, who's, a big uh, restaurateur and uh, chef over here and she's very big on farm to table and she started a farm to table movement out here in Berkeley. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of just tacked on an extra component to, yeah, dimension to my cooking and appreciation for food and yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, once again, being a lot more Californian in yes. my <laughs> approach to food that. now. I like that motto yeah. for California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. obviously you found a, pa- you found a passion for cooking. I mean, obviously, because just with all the things that you do right now that you love, the kind of the basis for what you do is revolves around cooking and food. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'm really happy with where I'm at in the sense that I can work on my website, Jane, a dietitian and focus more on cooking and nutrition. Um, but there's definitely areas I can work on as far as, um, you know, and extra dimensions that I keep tacking on to cooking and food. Did you, did, when you got done with their internship, did you take a formal position anywhere or did you kind of jump right into your own business? Uh, so right after the internship, I actually worked in food service management um, for six months. <laughs> I made it for six months. That's <laughs> such an accomplishment. accomplishment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How was that? How was working in food service management? Um, it was tough. So I was a food services supervisor, um, but I did purposely go out looking for food service management positions um, because I had two very phenomenal food service rotations during my internship where I shadowed um, the food service directors. And I feel like I'm always nerding out with the directors about, you know, management theories, leadership theories, HR. <laughs> again your first passion so yeah yeah and it was so much fun um and I, that's probably my favorite area that I studied when I was studying for the um RD exam was just the management um areas because you know things just click and of course it's the easier thing to do on my end um so I thought hey why not mix the two worlds together dietetics and HR management and go into food service management so I became a food service supervisor but then I think reality hit really hard that supervising was very, very different from like, you know, big picture management and theories. Mm-hmm. So, um, my, me, myself, I'm introverted. So being a supervisor is very, very challenging for someone that's introverted because you're constantly being bombarded with problems and people. And I never am able to like sit down and take a breath and re-energize, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, go, go, go. And you're all constantly being tugged, being tugged everywhere sure. in all directions. Yeah. And then on top of that, very difficult with work-life balance. Um, so yeah. So then after six months, I kind of had like a moment with myself and realized that I just haven't been happy and life's just too short to be unhappy. So I, I just quit and created jangedadietitian.com. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that you're like, yeah. life is too short to be unhappy because that is a hundred percent the truth. 
Yeah. And, you know, you can really be in a job like that for years. And it's just, I'm, I don't know, I feel like I'm getting older. And as I'm getting older, life's just going by so much quicker now. And I really need to slow down mm-hmm. and enjoy it, you know? That's so true. So how did mm-hmm. you, like, was it when you're like, oh, I'm just going to create Jane the Dietitian. So how did you come up with what you were going to focus on and kind of your business and share with me that process for you? I went in there slightly blindly. So I had actually started a blog right when I graduated from SF State because I was super excited about potentially becoming a dietitian now. And it was called Dash of Knowledge. And in there, I was trying to teach just nutrition. It didn't really go far. I only had, I think, a couple of blogs and a few posts on Instagram. Um, it was just focused on, you know, what's in your food? What's it, what is vitamin A? What is fiber? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started Jane a Dietitian, I basically just rebranded, used the same sites and stuff like that, but just rebranded to Jane a Dietitian. And I was focusing on the same thing again, like what's in, what's in your food? Um, the nutrition, uh, the nutrition. And then slowly it became a, okay, I'm talking about nutrition. Here's what I'm eating. Let me try to incorporate what I'm eating with, um, the nutrition that's behind it. And then I tried to focus on, oh, well, I, struggled learning how to cook on my own as, you know, a young professional back in the days. Let me focus on, you know, how to cook, go into the basics of that because it's so important to connect nutrition with cooking. That's the best way to learn nutrition really, you know, is to cook. And yeah, so it's kind of kicked off since then. And somehow it has gone into recipe development, more blogging, um, as well as food selling photography, which I've really been enjoying that end um, as a creative outlet. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where it's at right now. You are doing just like amazing things with food photography. Oh, I love seeing your posts and just your creativity and you share what you do. Like you're like, this is how I did this. This is what I use as far as like your camera and your lens. And I like I, what's kind of the thought. Pro- are you just trying to help other dietitians also kind of work with the same things you're working with? Um, I think there's two things behind that. Well, three things actually. So, um, I see a lot of posts. Sometimes I see an occasional post go through Instagram saying, Oh, my food's ugly today, but I don't care. I'm going to post it anyways, which I'm totally cool with. I don't Mm -hmm. judge. (laughs) Uh, but then there's, (laughs) and then there's another dimension where it's like, Oh, don't believe what you see on Instagram. It's all fake. This is what you see on Instagram, but it's fake. But here's what it, you know, the food really looks like, which I totally understand as well, but I don't want them to send a message that kind of blunts the creativity that goes behind food styling photography because food styling in the end really is an art and food photography in the end is really is a science. And I feel like it should be respected in a sense. Like, I don't feel like there's any reason to bring it down. Just, you can say, Oh, You know? Yeah. 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 So then that's what I started doing behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to do behind the scenes to show the work that goes into it. Um, Also, it's just a lot of fun. And I love sharing with other people. And it has sparked so many fun conversations on Instagram, whether it's people that want to um, dabble in it as well, um, or they're saying, hey, I've tried the same things. And it's kind of cool seeing people uh, trying the same techniques that I've tried in the past. So, you know, in the end, Instagram is a community and that's a value that I can share with people, which is, this is how I did my food styling photography. Check it out. Let me know if you have any techniques, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's been a fun community in that sense with the food styling photography. I think that's neat that you're creating those conversations with other people that are doing similar things to you. Or I think that I like your point of view on just all the controversy sometimes with food photography and how you're not dumbing it down, but you're like giving credit where credit is due. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, if you're not doing food styling photography, of course, I don't mind that either. And everyone has their own uh, goals when it comes to Instagram. So whether you want to keep it real, I totally appreciate that. Um, or if you want to up it up, up it a little bit with food styling photography and get creative. I mean, I think being a left brain career, such as being a dietitian, it's actually really fun to be on the other side once in a while and have a creative outlet, you know, and it's kind of fun because you're already eating. You're already thinking about food nutrition. Why not, (laughs) you know, have fun with it while you're doing it. That's so true though. And um, I guess 
I mean, I'm sure I've thought of it before, but yeah, food, food is art. I mean, when you think about it. So even if it's not the most perfect picture, it still can be creative and it can still be art. So yeah, um, definitely, definitely. And then, you know, being a food blogger or, um, going to promote different types of foods and nutrition and stuff like that. I think food selling photography can be very important because when someone's quickly going through the feed, they should be able to feel your story or your point. You know what I'm saying? So like Mm -hmm. being able to clearly um, use food selling photography to say, Hey, these are the ingredients you need. Like if you want to make, if you want to make this tomato sauce, it's just these four ingredients. And I've somehow highlighted it naturally in this photo. Yes. (laughs) To let you quickly understand. Yeah. Yeah. Or let people feel like I've been really into action shots lately. So I feel like action shots really kind of makes it more homey. It makes it feel like maybe it's more doable to see someone actually doing it themselves. Um, yeah, so it's been fun. It's been fun playing with different emotions and colors and doing action shots. I can about imagine how much different fun moods. props you have all over your home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it keeps it keeps increasing. <laughs> You're going to need to have like, you know, how like some people have their own closet. You're going to have to have your own like food styling closet. Yes. A a whole room would be ideal. Yeah. Like a little suite for you to do all your, your creativity. Yeah. A little napkin for every mood. (laughs) (laughs) That could get, you could have a lot of stuff for sure. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And do you, do people with your, with your photography that you do, do you get businesses and do you get people that see your photography reach out to you and want to work with you? And that creates those kind of conversations. And mm-hmm. so right now I'm freelancing and I feel like Jane, a dietitian has been an excellent portfolio builder to get um, freelance gigs. So I've only done um, one project that involved recipe development and food styling photography. Um, but the other stuff has been all writing, nutrition writing. And I'm hoping eventually, I do have a separate site where it's just my portfolio of work that I send to uh, potential freelance clients mm-hmm. with my photography and styling. Um, and I haven't sent that out as much as I need to, um, so I can get more gigs that's related to food styling photography. But I feel like, Doing a food styling photography makes everything look really nice on your site. And I think when my clients, even when they're looking at me for just nutrition writing, I think when they go in and they see the nice photos and the blogs and the recipes that come with it, I don't know, I think somehow they feel good about hiring me. Even if it's it just for nutrition writing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. maybe <laughs> or you yeah. know, someone that looks maybe having a site that looks put together because basically that site is your portfolio, mm-hmm. whether, however you use it, you know, whether it's to get clients for private practice and for me is to get clients uh, for freelance gigs. Do you find um, as a freelancer that it's difficult to, well, I'm sure it was difficult when you started, but do you ever feel like that, you know, that next gig, do you always, are you just like waiting for that next gig and does it like drive you crazy or do you feel like <laughs> to a point that you're kind of confident with consistency or? How do you feel? Um, consistency is really hard. Um, I started freelancing in December, so it hasn't been very long, um, but I have picked up a few gigs and every gig is getting bigger and bigger and bigger paying. Um, and Yay. so with the bigger pay, paying <laughs> jobs, yeah, it becomes uh, more time consuming as well, you know? Um, so I'm in a big project right now that's taking a long time, but I'm getting money as I go and finish every milestone. So that's really nice. But once that project's done, I have to be out and look out again, <laughs> looking sure. for clients. But yeah, but I, I noticed that as you build your portfolio, um, you're able to get gigs a little easier because mm-hmm. you have a reputation. So I have the my site as the portfolio builder, but I also have my past work now as a resume builder as well. Do you? Yeah, but at the beginning, it was very slow. Like I was like, I'm not sure if I'll ever get a client. <laughs> like, how does, this, like <laughs> how does this work? How do I? How do I? Yeah. This? Do you kind of like have to? Like, like I'm putting myself on the line. Like, where are you? Right. You're like putting yourself out there. Like. Well, and like you said, you probably have to email and you probably have to reach out to just kind of like cold calling just people to people that you want to work with. Basically, did you find like, do you kind of seek out people you want to work with? Um, I just say no to people I don't want to work with, if that 
because I apply to stuff and then I get invited to projects as well. And I would say no to um, gigs that I don't feel good about. Sure. That's good. Yeah. They can give you a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then you would know how the whole project's going to go and you're going to be like, oh, this is not going to be good. (laughs) Yeah. Like someone, I'm not going to name names or companies or anything, but Mm -hmm. someone had reached out to me and wanting me to estimate nutritionals based on Yelp photos. I'm like, mm. oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> like not even going there. Yes. <laughs> that whole thing just sounds sketchy. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's like they're wanting sodium and potassium. Like I, yeah, no, I need a recipe. I need, I need more data. Yeah. Yeah. There's people with kidney you can't do that ethically. There. Yeah, there's, there's exactly failure. I can't tell them exactly on the sodium content or potassium. Content yes, interesting. Exactly, exactly. Huh. So it can be scary out there. Just to say no <laughs> to the unethical ones. <laughs> well, and like I think that's a great point. Like when you're starting out a business or starting, you know, this adventure, you can't say. I mean, ethically, you really can't say yes to everything if you feel in your gut it's not a good decision. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's good to um, know that, you know, like you said, there's the project that you're working on currently, like you, you can get paid throughout the process. And it's not just like, hey, do this for six months and then we'll pay you at the end. I think that's something I didn't realize either. Like, do you negotiate your contracts with them or do they kind of have a contract that they send you or how does that work? You can definitely negotiate contracts. So this last project, this one that I'm working right now, I was able to increase it by almost $2,000 um, just by telling them that's any more paid in that for the time that you want and expertise that you're getting from a dietitian. Um, so definitely if there's any dietitians out there that wants to freelance or just looking for jobs in general, always negotiate always because the worst I can say is no. Mm-hmm. But the first thing already is that they're reaching out to you for your expertise. So they already want you. And the only problem that can happen is if another dietitian just accepts it at a lower rate, which doesn't help the field. Ever. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Don't do it, people. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, with your writing, I this is interesting to me. So, like, with your writing, because I think writing can be intimidating just because, again, it's like that expertise that they're looking for. Do you also kind of take the same stance of, Um, I don't really know a lot about this topic, so I don't really want to write on it. Are you focusing mostly on nutrition writing or is it a vast variety of writing? Only nutrition writing. Um, So I'm saying on my scope in that sense, and I also don't have time to just research something that I'm not an expert in as well (laughs) or don't have uh, the correct resources for. Yeah. So only nutrition writing. Um, What else? Yeah. Just nutrition writing. And you felt like, do you have to do this? Because I feel like research is still part. Is there still a little research involved or is that pretty easy for you to do the writing that you're doing? Yes, there is a research involved and it depends on what you're writing about. Because recently I wrote about a disease state that I think it was just glossed over real quick in my new medical nutrition class. So I had to go, go a little deeper in that disease uh, when I was writing about it. So it does require a little bit of extra research on things that you're not as familiar with. Um, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes I would write about, uh, ingredients in a particular food. So I'll have to, you know, research again, what are those additives and preservatives used for where they come from, you know, get the background, background information on those ingredients. So I I would say every single writing gig has been a little bit of research and you can charge for the project as well as research time as well when you're freelancing. That's Mm -hmm. nice. Very good. Yeah, yeah. So you can say, oh, I can do that for that rate, but I'll need an extra eight hours worth of pay for uh, research. You know, that's a good tip. Um, how did you decide decide on your going rate? Was it something that you kind of like looked at other dietitians doing similar things to you? Or did you look at other professionals outside of dietetics that were doing similar type? How did you kind of figure that out for yourself? So it was tough because, well, okay, not tough at the beginning because I basically grabbed the rate, whatever I saw on another dietitian 
Um, so I looked at a few dietitian profiles that are freelancers and I saw their like hourly rate. So I charged based on that for hourly rate. But then a lot of projects are like based on how much you get paid per word and stuff like that. And I didn't know what to do on that end. But what was really helpful was that I was in the, I, I am in the RDs who write group, mm-hmm. uh, is led by Anna Riesdorf. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the group before? I have. Yes. I think I, I'm pretty sure I follow. Her and her group. Yeah, yeah. Her group has been tremendously helpful. And she also uh, provides resources for RDs who are starting off freelancing and starting off writing. And in there, she has rates for like per word and stuff like that, that's average for the field right now. So that helped a lot in far, as far as um, my projects that involved more per word rates versus uh, hourly rates. Interesting. Well, that's good. That's a good resource for people that um, maybe are thinking about doing something similar to what you do. Yeah, yeah. So it was really cool because um, after I saw her, after I got her uh, pamphlet of information about rates, I was able to prevent myself from ever going under. Which is, like you said. Or accepting. Yeah, so exactly. To not undersell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We worked hard. <laughs> well, you, you definitely did because you took the long way around too. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what do you kind of see for yourself kind of moving forward, the future of Jane, the dietitian? What is kind of, kind of some of your goals and some things that you want to achieve? Ooh, so it's a long journey and a long road, but eventually I would like to make money uh, through blogging. Um, and through social media, whether it's like getting paid sponsors and stuff like that for Instagram, I'm still building my platform and I'm doing it organically, which is taking forever, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's taking so long, but I know it's worth it, um, in the end, because although I'm building organically and slowly, I am able to interact with everyone or most people that I, uh, follow or am following or who's following me and building a lot of relationships that way. Um, but eventually I like to get paid through blogging. That'd be really cool. Um, also maybe become a media dietitian as well. Um, so I have been doing, trying to, trying to establish myself as a nutrition expert in the field, uh, by being interviewed, um, by like my fitness pal and stuff like that and getting quoted and different, um, sites and things of that nature. So I'm trying to break into media as well. Um, so if I can cr- make a career out of blogging and media, being a media dietitian and uh, freelancing, I think I'm in good, <laughs> good hands. Absolutely. <laughs> like the triple yeah. threat. I think that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But it's taking a lot of time, whether it's like taking courses and learning about it and learning about SEO and stuff like that. It's just been so overwhelming. I got <laughs> So I'm just trying to tackle it slowly. Right now I'm just doing freelancing so I can at least uh, make some money on the side. And then, um, then I can go deeper into media and uh, social media as well. Well, I think you're killing it. I think you're doing a great job. I think I am inspired oh, by you yeah. and your food photography. Cause I'm like, oh man, she just does the coolest stuff. And I love your, <laughs> your recipes are so approachable. Like your tomato. Oh my gosh. I did make that. It was absolutely delicious. I actually did it for a class. Wait, you made the bruschetta? Yes. I made it. Yeah. I made it Yay. for a class that I had it at work and it was a hit. So thank you for that amazing recipe. It's a permanent one oh in my. Gosh in my recipe book. So yay, you're welcome. I'm glad to hear it worked out. It's such a simple recipe, but so delicious. I love it. So that's the that's the recipes that I like to share with people because again, it has to be approachable and it has to be delicious. So I did you know it's funny. I did pull up my phone to show them what it's supposed to look like with your photo. (laughs) Because I was like, well just so you know, here's a reference for what it should look like when it's done. And they were all like Holy moly, that looks so delicious. And I was like, yes, so create that. <laughs> they did. That was funny. But anyway. Yay. Oh, that, that was a doable one for sure. That's a good, yeah, great one. So I appreciate, I always, I appreciate all the things that dietitians that work with food because I'm not, a, I'm not a cook or a chef in any way. So thank you for creating stuff like that. 
Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you so much for sharing the recipe. And I know like you shared the blog over Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And I really appreciate you. And I, I really like your channel too, because you're always like building up dietitians and it's just, it's just a good vibe all together. On the same team, right? We have to like support each yeah. other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I know. Embracing the hell yeah. Yes. Embracing <laughs> the hell yes. Yes. That's what we have to do. And I think it's good to always share. That's why I do this podcast because I love to hear about how you got to where you got. It wasn't just a direct line and how it influences you as a dietitian and what you do. So Mm -hmm. it's good to know that background about certain individuals and why they do, why why are they so passionate about what they do? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was cool um, reading your book and learning how you wanted to be in a medical field. Was it wanting to be a doctor? Yeah. yeah. First before becoming a dietitian. And I think I, I know a lot in your podcast is that a lot of people start off wanting to be like a PA yes. or pharmacist or something and then ended up uh, falling in love with nutrition. They did not breeze and, through Nutrition 101 like you did. And they remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> I could have fallen in love way sooner. You could have. That's so funny. I think that's the best. That's the best thing I've heard to date when someone took a nutrition one on one class, but didn't remember it at all. But ended up being a dietitian. Oh my goodness! I know. I know. I think it was such an easy class. Like it's probably like open book tests online. Oh, probably no pace. Yeah. Oh, like, like here we go. Vitamin C is blah blah blah. Done. Here. Yes. Thanks for my A. (laughs) Moving on. on. (laughs) That's great. Well, I know I'm excited to keep following you and just kind of following your journey and just seeing all the exciting things that you're doing. So I always tell people this too. I'm like, I know in like two years, we'll have to podcast again to kind of catch up and see what has changed. So hopefully you'll be up for it. Oh, yeah, I would love that. I'm interested to see where I am in two years as well. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I know. I know. Like, I love food photography so much. And I'm like, if I can become a full time food photographer, am I still a dietitian? I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> like, totally. Because that's like your root. <laughs> For sure. Yes, it is. It is. I'll still make recipes. (laughs) Yes. You need to have like a class sometime for dietitian. I feel like that's something I mean, I would just love to like learn from somebody that's a dietitian that does food photography. And I know there's probably people out there that do this, but like there's classes for everything, but I don't feel like there's enough classes for dietitians for food photography, but maybe I haven't. Yeah. I was thinking about that lately too. I'd come if I come to California and take a class from you. Really? Okay. Yeah, I would for sure. I would love to meet you. Wait, are you going to Fancy this year? I am going to Fancy. Yes. So you are. I okay. will be there. Are you going? I don't know yet. I'm still on the fence about Fancy. <laughs> so we'll I see. usually am on the fence about Fancy too, but I am going. I didn't go last year, but I'm gonna. I am gonna go for a quick, quick trip this year. So if you go, you'll okay, have to let cool. me know because we're gonna do a little meetup for all my podcasting friends on Saturday. So. Yeah. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you know. Okay. I'll let you know. post it. All right. So now okay. I have to ask you the hard questions because I always have to end okay. with my hard questions. So why don't you share with me some of your favorite foods that you enjoy? Uh, favorite foods. Oh, I like everything. So it's kind of hard. But <laughs> if I had to narrow down to like a few, <laughs> um, anything Vietnamese, of course, love mm-hmm. my Vietnamese food. Um, I love Tex-Mex. Because um, you lived in love ice cream. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, love ice cream. Also love my fruits and vegetables. Just a little bit of everything, you know. <laughs> Just love that's that's the best part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have some beverages that you enjoy. Um, I love coffee, so I have to have that at least once a day or early in the morning, um, and then. I really, really love a glass of Cabernet or champagne. Mm. So yeah, those are my go-tos mm-hmm. for a good night. <laughs> for a good night. <laughs> I like it. Do you have a favorite color or colors? Um, I think I'm really drawn to dark colors. So like blacks, grays, dark reds, purples, navy blues. Well, you can tell too by your anything darker that, that you kind of have been experimenting a lot with dark colors, like just dark background. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's very mysterious. It's, like, make yeah, it I love it. Prominent. 
<laughs> yeah, I want to, I want to feel like the food's going into the dark abyss. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, it's very curious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have um, a favorite scent or favorite smells? Um, I would say my favorite smells. It's all still food related. So like cilantro and fresh jalapenos. Mm. Um, I think those are my favorite smells, but I think mostly because it reminds me of a good, good, like bowl of pho. So maybe my favorite smell is just pho. <laughs> it could be just all of that, all the <laughs> scents from pho. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cilantro is amazing. I love cilantro. Mm. I could put cilantro in everything too. Like, yeah, it's so good. It is so good. It's so good. Yeah. I agree. It's so fresh. It is. Mm-hmm. Such a pretty green. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what brings you joy, Jane? Um, so like personal life or professionally? Both. If you want either or you can talk about them both. Yes. Okay. So personally, um, hot yoga, not regular yoga, just hot yoga <laughs> uh, brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> Um, doing life with my husband, of course, hanging out with girlfriends, and then of course reading a good book once in a while. That's very not joyful. A That's not a cookbook, or is a cookbook? That's not a cookbook. That's not a cookbook. That's not okay. a cookbook. Yeah, <laughs> cookbook is my everyday book. Okay, <laughs> then, That's just life. Everyday life. <laughs> yeah, lots of good fiction. Um, and then professionally, right now, currently, it's just the freedom to be creative. So that brings a lot of joy on my end. Ah, so, so awesome. This sounds like you just, you just got it all going on, sister. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like a hot mess. So. <laughs> well, you don't feel so like nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's what hot yoga is for, to help you decrease your messiness. <laughs> yes, yes. Gotta let it all go when I'm doing hot yoga. <laughs> Figure things out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And um, I will definitely list your contact information for anybody that wants to reach out and connect with you and just kind of see all the amazing things that you're doing. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) Recently, Jane has been posting photos of my favorite fruit this past month. And those are, of course, cherries. And she is doing some awesome and creative things with them. In her post, she shares the camera specifics, what she did for lighting, as well as other props. So make sure to connect with Jane for more details about all the great things she's doing with food photography and her recipe development. And you can find her contact information in the show notes. My website, AnnaElizabethArty.com, is where you can read my latest Embrace the Hell Yeah blog post, as well as all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these great nutrition experts. My book is also available to purchase on the website, and now you can purchase 15 CEUs approved for self-study through the CDR on the website as well. I hope we can connect more on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.